Well, if you would this morning, turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Our text verse here, Deuteronomy chapter number 11 and verse number 12. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So you just kind of get in the front of your Bible and turn in a few uh, books. You'll, you'll get there. The last book of the law, uh, this books that were given to us. And uh, this book of Deuteronomy, often called the second law or the, the repetition of the law, because uh, by and large, uh, the group of people that had come out of Egypt, and uh, you know they, of course, didn't follow through and do what God wanted them to do, and they had to die and pass off the scene. And so the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land again, and Moses says, hey, uh, I got to remind you of some things. I got to remind you of the law that God gave us and what we're supposed to do. And, and so he begins to teach. And that's why this is called the second law, not as it's a it's it's very is a repetition of the law that was given in Exodus. Uh, but you'll see here our text verses for this morning is Deuteronomy chapter number 11 and uh, verse number 12. Look down at that with me and I'm just going to read verse number 12 and then we'll open with a word of prayer. In the land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord, they are, of thy God, are always upon it, from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year, this thought and idea I would like to discuss in light of this passage of Scripture this morning. Would you pray with me and ask God to speak to our hearts? Lord, we come to you and I yield myself to you and turn this service over. Well, we pray, God, that you would take the word, your word, and apply it to the hearts of your people. That, Lord, you'd meet the needs that are present in this room this morning. They are as varied as there are people here. Lord, we know that each and every person, some carrying great burdens. Some have experienced some great blessings recently. Or some are facing some physical challenges. And, Lord, we just, we don't know what everybody's need is, but, God, you do. And I ask you, Lord, this morning that you challenge us from your word. Stir us in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a description. He's talking here about the land which the Lord God careth for. That God, this land that God had prepared and, and preserved and had ready for his children, his people to move into, that God was observing it. His eyes were on this land for the entirety of the year, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. You know, 2023 is well underway. It's, it's actually just amazing when you think about January's gone. We're, we're halfway, approaching halfway through February. We've put up the missions flags already, and, and that, of course, is a sign that missions conference is very close, which happens the second week in March. And, and you know, you, you just the year's flying by. The days sometimes seem long, but the years go quick. Amen. The years pass fast, one into another, and we are here in 2023, and and if you aren't careful, if you don't take some thought and put some, maybe a little bit of effort into it, another year is going to pass. The question I have for you this morning, is 2023 going to be another year just like the last year? 
or the year before that? Or is 2023 going to be a year where you experience some real change in your life, where you experience some great blessing and moving of God in your heart? Is 2023 going to be a year where you get a hold of God and, and meet Him in a whole new and more rich and powerful way? It can be. But it will not happen just because you said, oh, it's going to happen. But it's because you'll put a little bit of thought into it. And here we are kind of on the beginning of the year. We're in preparation. But if you don't look at and plan and think ahead, we're going to get to the end of the year. And you'll be like, oh, man, there's another year passed. Somehow I got another year older. And things are just like they were. I know that's not where we want to be. I know as we ponder and think about it, doesn't matter where you are right now, I know that you can experience a deeper and richer relationship with Christ than you have right now. I know that's possible. But it is going to take a little bit of planning. It is going to take a little bit of thought as we consider the year and its whole as God described this land that his eye was upon. He was observing can I kind of just give you a little bit of introduction to this passage of Scripture? We can back up to the beginning of Deuteronomy, and you'll see that chapters 1 through 3 is kind of a, a, a projected plan of what God wants to do with his people, is they're going to go in and possess the land, that that's his, it's time. You guys are going to go in and possess the land. And, of course, you know that uh, leader of the children of Israel, he he steps off the scene and he passes the, the mantle or the staff or the leadership over to Joshua. And Joshua picks up that mantle and they cross the Jordan. They go over into the promised land. This God is going to do great things with his people as they embark on this new relationship, this new land that God has for them, that promised land. Then in chapter number five, would you mind turning there? Just look at the first verse of chapter number five, back up. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse number 1, we see that the law is proclaimed in chapter 5. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep them and do them. So the law is proclaimed in chapter number 5. Now look in chapter number 6. And we see the law as it's practiced in chapter number 6. He says, Now these are the commandments. The statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land, whither you go to possess it. He says, hey, you're going to go into the promised land, and when you go there, remember this law I gave you. The plan is that you would do that, that you would carry that out, that you would fulfill and observe to do all that I have commanded you. And then we see... The law preserved in chapter 7 through 10. We get to chapter number 11 where our text is and you can turn back there and we'll be in chapter number 11. The first 17 verses for the balance of this morning. We see that he gives them one last plea. One last plea before they go in to possess the land. This new generation of Israelites is risen up. They're going to go in and do uh, what their fathers did not do. They're going to go in and possess the land, that which their fathers were supposed to do, but they didn't do. Can I say to you this morning that just because it hasn't been done before doesn't mean you can't do it. 
The children of Israel now, this younger generation, they're going to go in and do that which their fathers did not do or didn't have the faith to do. Can I tell you that this year could be a year where you experience the blessing of God in a way that you never even thought possible. There's things you looked at in the past and said, no, I could never do that. No, I couldn't accomplish that. We can't go and possess that land. The giants are too big. The, 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 the land, yeah, it's great, but man, we couldn't do that maybe last year. Or in the past, you looked at it and said, I could never walk with God like that. I couldn't know God's power that way. I don't understand getting prayers answered like that. I couldn't do that. But I want you to know that just because it wasn't done in the past doesn't mean you can't do it now. In 2023, you could see God do some amazing things and bring about change in your life that you looked at and said, man, that could never happen. But it can happen. Because with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. You can do it. And just because somebody didn't have faith yesterday or somebody wasn't able to do it in the past doesn't mean that you can't do it now. They were about to go in and possess a land that their fathers didn't have faith to go in and possess. God might just have some things for you this year that are beyond even your comprehension of what he would like to do in and through you. He might have some victories for you this year. And as his people are embarking on this new journey and heading off into this promised land that God had prepared for them, he gives them some promises I can imagine that the promises that God gave them came with some considerable comfort. As they think about the idea when he promised and said, hey, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. Just like we crossed the Red Sea back over there, that, that story that your parents were talking about, we're going to do it again on the Jordan just to show you that I'm with you. Just to show you that it's the same God and the same God that walked with them across the Red Sea and walked with them across the Jordan River and took them into the promised land and and they, they knocked down the walls of that great city of Jericho the same God you and I serve. And God can help you accomplish some things in 2023 that you never thought that you could accomplish. As they remember and consider back in Egypt how things were, how hard it was to be fruitful and how hard it was to bring about any great benefit back in Egypt. God describes how he's going to bless them in this promised land, this land that floweth with milk and honey, how they're going to experience the early and the latter rain. God's eyes are on the land. To me, that's amazing. Not only is God concerned about the people, but he knows what's happening in the land. Can I tell you this morning, God knows what's happening in America. God knows what's going on in this country. God knows the struggles that you are facing today and the challenges that the Christian is facing. God knows that the backlash over a Super Bowl commercial that mentions the name of Jesus. It's mind-boggling that we can promote every kind of, of base perversion of sin on Super Bowl commercials, and that's okay. Nobody complains, not even the Christians. But you have a commercial that names the name of Jesus, and the country's up in arms. 
They're all upset because there's a commercial, and I haven't seen it. I've just seen the news talking about it. Apparently, there's a commercial going to be aired in the Super Bowl tonight, and everybody's upset because it names the name of Jesus. Well, I'm glad somebody had a lot of money, (laughs) and they're willing to pay all that money just to name the name of Jesus. You know, one of, the re- one of the reasons you know that God is real <laughs> is that right there. If God isn't real and it's all fake and it doesn't matter, then why are they getting so upset? <laughs> why does it bother them so much that somebody said the name of Jesus? I'll tell you why, because that's a name above every name. That is the name of Jesus. And one day at every, every knee is going to bow and every, every tongue is going to fa- confess that Jesus is Lord. And they don't want to acknowledge that today. And that's why they get upset. But I just want you to know that God knows what's going on in the country. This week was a challenging week for the Cockeysville Police Department. Our prayers have been with them. The challenges that they face every day as they go out, never knowing if they get to come home to their family that night. You need to be praying for them. Pray for the officers that are fighting for their life. God knows what we're facing in this country. He's aware of it. What I want you to consider today is the year that we have before us and that we don't want to let it pass. We don't want to just drift through another year and have it be just like the last or the one before, but we want God to do something real and powerful in our lives as we consider our theme for the year of rest and revival. We want God to bring revival in our hearts. You can experience that if you do what God told the children of Israel to do. You know, beloved, when the disciples stood at the foot of the cross, all they saw was loss. But God saw an empty tomb. And when you stand in the thick of the battle, all you see is the battle, but God sees the victory. The children of Israel stood at the Jordan River and thought, how are we going to get across? And God said, don't worry, I've got it. They stood at the city of Jericho and said, how are we going to defeat this city? And God said, don't worry, I've got it. They, they, they went one battle after another, one battle after another, and God was with them and God helped them as they yielded to him. And if this year is going to be a year of great and unprecedented victory in your life, You've got to do what God exhorts and encourages them to do. I would like you to see it now in chapter number 11. Look in verse number 1. First of all, we see the established requirement. The established requirement. He says here, Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. We know, beloved, that this is the first in the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And what I'm saying is if you're going to have a year that has unprecedented change in your life and unprecedented victory in your life, you've got to get it in your heart and your mind that there's somebody that you've got to love above all else, and that is God. You've got to put him first in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not about pursuing this world. It's not about pursuing our ambitions. It's not about going after our lust. It's getting to a place where we say, God, I don't even, not even sure how to do it, but God, I want to love you most of all. 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He says you're going to go into the promised land and you're going to face some battles and you're going to face some challenges. Yes, there's going to be some burdens, but you've got to do something first of all, and that is to love God. No matter what this world brings into your life, no matter what challenges you face, no matter what victories you experience, no matter what burdens you're carrying, know in your heart that you love God first and most of all. Do you love him this morning? Do you love him? Amen. We've got to love God. He says, do you put God first above all else. And I ask you, why? Why do we love him today? Oh, many people think about the fact that they love him because of what he has done for them. And man, that's a reason for sure. The Bible tells us that we love him because he first loved us. Can I tell you this morning that God loved you as the sinner that you are? God loved you as an individual. Every single man and woman in this room and young man and young lady in this room, God loves you. He loved you enough that he sent his son to die for you, to pay your sin's debt. You love him because he first loved you. He loved you right where you are. In the midst of your sin, he loved you when you didn't love him. He loved you when you rejected him. He loved you when you didn't want anything to do with him. God loved you. We consider and ponder that and we think, boy, I should truly love him. The New Testament tells us that it is the love of Christ that constraineth us. It's his love for us that motivates us, that moves us. Man, When we think about the love of God for us, nobody knows how unworthy we are better than us, right? Better than than us as individuals. I mean, my wife thinks I'm the greatest guy that ever lived. Don't 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 tell her the truth, because I love it that she's she's deceived, okay? I think that's great. But nobody knows how much of a failure this man is better than this man. But God loves me. And God loves you. And we are motivated by that love. Can I just take a little side note here? We won't go very far down this, but can I tell you, men, that God says that we are to love our wives like Christ loved the church. You know, if you really loved her like Christ loved the church, she would really... Uh, appreciate that. I think there would be a lot less struggles or problems or burdens in our relationships if we just followed the biblical pattern and loved her like Christ loved the church. But you know, men, let's be honest, we're selfish by nature. Man, if we could get over ourselves and just love our wife like Christ loved the church. 
you, you would have to be fending her off. Yes, Lord, help us to love our wives like we should. That love of Christ is what motivates us, what stirs us. I want you to see that he's talking to those that have seen God. He's talking to those that have experienced God. Look in verse number 2. He says, And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, his stretched out arm, and his miracles, and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt. He says, I'm not talking to those people that haven't seen God. I'm not talking to those people that haven't experienced God. I'm not, this, I'm not describing or talking to people that don't know who God is. I'm talking about those that have experienced the difference that God makes in your life. Have you experienced that difference? Do you know God as your Lord and Savior? Do you know for sure that He's come in and forgiven you of your sin? He's washed you clean and made you whiter than snow. He's provided for you a home in heaven. Amen, Brother Hunter? He's given you that home and you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. You've experienced that. He's saying, that's who I'm talking to. I'm not talking about somebody who's never experienced God's provision or God's protection. God protects you, Christian. God's hand is watching over you. The children of Israel, you know the stories. They were in the wilderness and God guided them by a cloud and a pillar of fire. And God provided for them each and every day with manna from heaven. God protected them and caused their shoes never to wear out. God provided for them I'm saying have you experienced any of that in your life that's God's talking to you then he's saying I'm talking to those that know God those that have experienced God those that have cause and reason to worship and praise God that's who I'm talking to this morning that's what Moses said he says listen I'm not speaking to those that don't know God I'm talking to those that do know him that have experienced him He goes on and describes how they crossed the Red Sea and how Pharaoh's army was swallowed up, how God protected them. Man, I was blessed this morning in handshaking time. Gina came and she was telling me just yesterday I was on the farm and a tractor flipped over on top of me. How many of you know that could have been the end she said, I'm just praising God that he was watching over me. You experienced God's protection like that? You've been going down the road and some crazy driver, something happens. You sit back and think, wow, that could have been. (laughs) But God was protecting you. He said, man, you've got cause to love God. He's, He's protected you. Look in verse number seven. He says, he's describing him. He says, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. I know we could go around this morning and talk to everyone here and say, boy, you've seen his great acts, haven't you? You've seen what God has done. You've seen it in the past. Consider, beloved, how these Men and women went from a hopeless existence in bondage in Egypt to a promised land that flowed with milk and honey. You know that Egypt is a picture of the world and being in bondage to sin. And that God, through his miraculous mercy, provided a way of escape for them. 
and has given them a promised land, which is a picture of the abundant Christian life. And beloved, if you're here this morning and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God, through a miraculous sacrifice of his son, provided a way of escape for you to be freed from bondage and sin. And has provided for you an abundant Christian life for you to experience full of his bountiful blessings. It's available to you. You've got that promised land. You just got to go in and experience it. I want you to see the expected result. Look in verse number eight. The expected result, he says here very clearly, he says, therefore, he says, you love God with all your heart and you've seen everything that he's done for you. You've experienced his hand of deliverance. You've, you've experienced his provision. You've experienced his protection. He says, therefore, shall you keep all the commandments which I have commanded you this day. The expected result, beloved, is that we would obey. I think that's what God, Jesus said in the New Testament. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He says, you've got cause, you've got reason, you've got motivation to obey because of all of what God did. He says, you've seen God, you've experienced God. He's saved your soul. He's delivered you out of the paw of the lion. He's delivered you out of the paw of the bear. If God's done all that for you, then do right. Then do right. Do right. You want to have a year this year that's beyond anything you've ever thought possible. It starts with loving God most of all. And being obedient to God in his word. To the commandments that he's given you. Doing right. Oh, I know the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. But we've got a reason to do right. We've got a reason to put the flesh aside. We've got a reason to stop giving in to Satan. We've got a reason to stop living for this world and start living for God. Because of what he's done for us. The expected result, beloved, is that we would obey and follow him. Why? Because he's worthy. Because of what he's done. You know that it's going to take some warfare. He says, therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I have commanded you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land which ye go to possess it. He says, be strong and go and possess that land, right? That word possess literally means to take, to overcome. Do you know if you're going to experience some great things this year? You're going to have to possess the land. It's going to take some warfare. How many of you know that Satan's not going to be real happy with you making some good positive changes in your life? How many of you know Satan's not going to be real pleased that on Sunday morning you're in God's house instead of down at the lake? I think Satan's not going to give up the land that he has in your life without much of a fight. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be some warfare. Don't think just because you're here on Sunday morning, you think, man, that is great. That's what I want to do. I want to see a difference this year. And bless God, when I walk out of here today, I'm going to be different. Well, hallelujah, it starts with a desire. But you know Satan is waiting for you right on the other side of that door. 
and all the world and the flesh and the devil is going to be there to fight you. And he says, you've got to go in to the land that you're going to possess, the land that you're going to take by force, the land that you're going to overcome is going to take a little bit of warfare. You've got to be ready for some battle. You've got to be ready to stand your ground. You've got to be ready to face the foe. Be ready to say, no, I'm not going to give in or give up or give out. I'm going to go on for God and accomplish something this year that makes a difference. And it's possible with God and his strength. It doesn't have to be another year like it was before. You've got to have some warfare. It might take a little bit of work. In verses 9 and 10, he's describing the challenges of, of bringing forth fruitfulness in the land of Egypt and the hills and valleys. He says, for the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not like the land of Egypt from whence he came out. Where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. He says, hey, there's going to be some challenges. It's going to take a little bit of work. There's some hills and valleys. There's some some rocky terrain. You can't. You can't necessarily plant just by kicking the soil away. It might have to get some, get some hose out there and some shovels. But then he says, hey, you know back there in Egypt where you had to carry water by foot to water your plants, you had to bring water from the Nile. He says, in this land, I'm going to take care of that for you. I'm going to water from the dew from the ground and from the heaven above. God's going to water that for you. It might take a little bit of work, but I want you to see the experienced reward in verse number 13 through 15. He says, and it shall come to pass. You see, beloved, it shall come to pass. If ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments. You see, we're going to get to the end of 2023. By God's grace, those that are here in this room will be here at the end of this year. And if you want to experience great victory this year and see God do something miraculous in your heart and life, he says here, it will come to pass if you do these things. So the experience reward, he says, hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That I will give you the rain of your land in his due season. The first rain and the latter rain that thou mayest go in, that thou mayest sorry, gather in thy corn, thy wine, and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle. And thou mayest eat and be full. What he's describing here is the great blessing and reward for following through with those first two commandments. Love God and obey. And he says, I will pour out my blessing on your life. One of the reasons we're not experiencing the poured out blessing of God is because we're putting other things first. Is because we're not really obeying. We want to experience the blessing of God. He says, it will come to pass. He'll do it. If you put God first and obey his commandments. He's going to pour 
the first and the latter rain, exactly what's needed. He's saying God's going to supply your needs. I think he said that over the New Testament. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He's going to sustain your life. Matter of fact, I've seen it. God will just outright spoil you. He'll outright spoil you. You you, you get to the place where you're almost embarrassed at how good God's been. You think, man, I don't deserve this. God's God's just too good to me. I, I don't, you know, it's amazing. I'm nobody special, Lord. Why, why are you blessing me so much? Why, why are you so good to me? And this is just, you just sit back in awe at God's blessing. Beloved, one year can make an amazing difference in your life. Just 12 months. Consider the changes that take place in just 12 months of your life. Those of you who are in the room today, just think over the last year. You know, the days sometimes seem long, but the years pass fast. The changes that are brought in one year. You know, John, John Bottrell, little John Bottrell. Those of you that don't know, John Bottrell used to do this all the time. (laughs) He just, like, he would get nervous or excited and he would go like this, you know. He got engaged this week. Going to get married sometime in the next year. It's hard to believe that my youngest son is going to finish up his first year of college. And my, well, my youngest son in college, you know what I'm talking about, not him. (laughs) Yeah, Caleb, we sent him off early. My youngest son I have in college, Timothy, is finishing up his first year of college. And what's even more shocking is that Alicia is graduating from college. What I'm saying is there's, in one year, so many drastic things can come about in your life. I'm just trying to exhort you here at the beginning of this year. Don't let this year pass without seeing God do something great. It's going to take some warfare. It's going to take some work. But if you're willing to love God first and just obey what he says, he said he would bless you in a rich and powerful way.